0: Amen. Well, if you would, remain standing for the reading of God's holy word. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 21. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find that on page 543. Page 543. This morning we're going to be discussing the simple, the sluggard, and the scoffer. Proverbs chapter 21, begin in verse 20. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with evil intent. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. So the Lord has appointed appointed a day for all of his saints to enter eternal rest. As God's children, I hope inwardly, maybe not outwardly, you're saying praise God. Their faith will one day become sight and they will be with Jesus Christ for all of eternity. Revelation 21, verse 4, informs us that the Lord will wipe away every tear from the eyes of the redeemed. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. You see, for those who are in Christ, one day there will be no more trials. One day suffering will cease. One day death will be no more. One day the elect will experience the perfect praise of God, and God will receive all the glory that is rightly due His name. This is something to look forward to as God's children. This is a promise that our hearts need to hold close. But as the Lord's children who are living in this fallen world, we also need to remember that judgment is coming. We need to be loving the Lord With our life, because right now counts forever. Why? In the words of R.C. Sproul, now counts because we are creatures who have an origin and a destiny which is rooted and grounded in God. Our trajectory, our aim in all things should be to please the Lord. But in this life, we are in a spiritual battle, our flesh is fighting our spirit. The spiritual forces of evil are at work. Ephesians chapter 6. I was reminded over and over again, and things that I saw with my eyes and things that I heard with my ears this past week, that my battle is not against flesh. It's not against what I see around me. It is the spiritual forces that I am fighting in this world. Therefore, the words that Paul spoke to young Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 are words in which we need to consider as well. He says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. And then he uses the words, persist in this. That just because the Lord has given us saving grace, and just because the Lord is providentially ruling over all things, these two truths, they do not provide an escape clause in which we, as the children of God, do not have the responsibility in the care of our own soul. We need to keep a close watch on our life and doctrine. We are to persist in this, for there is no one who is exempt from any sin in this world. We are all one step away in doing what we declare with our mouth, I will never do that. We must be on guard. Therefore, we must be seeking the wisdom of God in this life. We know from what the scriptures teach there are those who appear to be righteous by their words or deeds. But in fact, they are acting. They are putting on a show. They are wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. The true great enemies of the gospel, moralism and legalism, they are real and they are all around us. Many believe that they can keep the law and be saved. And many believe that they are good and they do not need a savior. And there are those who do things to be seen by others. And this is known as a show religion. Matthew 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Think about that for a second. You will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. We should be frightened by those words. If we have no reward from our Father who is in heaven, what do we have? Matthew 15, verse 8, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We are people who stumble in many ways, but we are also people who like to conceal that we stumble. Therefore, we often paint a picture, a false picture, of how we are really doing. We inform others that we are good. We we do the daily religious routine without much thought. At times, our hearts are far from the Lord, while our lips clearly articulate that we are near and doing the work of God. You see, in the book of Proverbs, we find a wise man or woman but we also find the simple, the sluggard, and the scoffer. Today's take home is very simple. The Lord desires that this church be full of men and women who have every area of their life pleasing the Lord. And this is what we need to understand. None of us have arrived. All the hidden rooms of your heart, All the shadows that you spend time in. All the things that you do that keep you busy so that you don't think deeply. All the sins that are kept secret. The Lord wants them confessed and brought to the light. He wants all areas of our life to please Him. This means sanctification in all things. Eternal rest is coming. Judgment is coming. These are great motivators to not live a simple, sluggish, or scoffing life. But the greatest factor, the greatest motivation in which we need to keep in mind is that the Lord has saved us by the blood of Jesus Christ. This truth alone should propel us into greater depths of enjoyment and greater depths of clarity. Greater depths of enjoying the Lord and greater clarity in living a wise life. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. If you need to be reminded about this church, this church was extremely messed up, to put it bluntly. They struggled with many things, just like you and I do, but hopefully we're not gathering together and doing the Lord's Supper to get drunk, and uh, hopefully we're not doing things that would be completely inappropriate and our sexual lives that will just dishonor the Lord in all things publicly. In Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen, we find this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Are you in Christ? Have you been born again? If you have, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And we've earned this, right? No. All this is from God. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting So we are a new creation. This is a gift from God. For our sake, Christ who knew no sin became sin so that in Christ we as God's children might become the righteousness of God. So the truth of what Christ has done should move us to a life of pleasing Him. The truth of what Christ has made us should move us to righteous living. The truth that we are now ambassadors for Christ changes everything. So we now belong to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We are Christ and Christ is ours. We belong to Christ. We are working for Christ and his forever kingdom. So he has called us and sent us. We are ambassadors. So we need to be serving the Lord with the heart's purpose of pleasing him in all things. With all. That means with all of who we are. With all, with all of what we have been given. With all of our time, with all of our resources. We should want the Lord to be pleased with us. And we should want to be enjoying Him because we are new creatures. Yes, eternal rest is coming. Yes, judgment is coming, but the greatest motivator of not living a wasted life is that we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is our righteousness, and we are his ambassadors. We have been sent. We have been called to him, and we have been sent for him in his glory. In Proverbs, we find much about the three S's, or what I like to call the three stooges. Being simple, being a sluggard, and being a scoffer. The path of the simple, the path of the sluggard, the path of the scoffer. All these three lead to destruction. So let's take a look at these three S's one at a time. The simple man or woman. The simple are naive. They're gullible. The simple are undisciplined. The simple are uninstructed. Not only that, they love it. They love being simple. They take pride in it. They are easily deceived and unaware of what they don't know. They don't know the questions to ask, much less the answers. Simple men and women have not yet been shaped by godly wisdom. They are shaped solely by the wisdom of the world. Proverbs 22.3 clearly articulates the simple life. The prudent sees danger and hides himself. The simple go on and suffer for it. The simple lack what is needed to live a wise life. They lack the wisdom of God. We find the word simple used 15 times in Proverbs. We hear the following words in Proverbs that clearly describe those who are simple. In Proverbs 1, verse 22, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys him, Proverbs 132. The simple lack sense. Proverbs seven verse seven. O simple ones, learn prudence. Proverbs eight verse five. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the ways of insight. Proverbs nine verse six. The simple believe everything. Proverbs fourteen, fifteen. The simple inherit folly, Proverbs fourteen eighteen. The simple do not see danger, they suffer, Proverbs 22, verse 3. In the words of Derek Kinder, the simple is no halfwit. He is a person whose instability could be rectified, but who prefers not to accept discipline in the school of wisdom. The simple are adults who choose to live like an uneducated child. The simple life leads to destruction, and God's children will not live simple lives as a pattern. Now, we are at times, we stumble, we act like the simple, we lack sense, we, we believe too many things around us, we love sin and we ignore the Word of God, but the Spirit of God will see to our return to that of wisdom. The Spirit will bring about repentance, but if you're hearing this today and you are a Christian This is your wake-up call to repent and to live a wise life. That you are called to turn from your simple ways. The area in your life in which you want to keep secret. The area in which you want no one to know about that is dragging you down. The area in which you are living, in which you love your sin. Repent. Turn to the light of Christ and get wisdom. And if you're not saved, Jesus Christ is your only hope. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ, according to Colossians 2, verse 4. The simple life leads to destruction. What about the sluggard? The man or woman who is a sluggard is lazy. The hands of a sluggard, they refuse to labor. Derek Kinder notes, they are more than anger to their bed, they are hinged to it. So it's not they have a chain and a ball where they're, they're in their bed and they can move around and do things. It's a hinge. They know nothing but their bed. Derek got this from Scripture. Proverbs 26, 14. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The term sluggard is used 14 times in Proverbs. We hear the words such as, Go to the ant, O sluggard, meaning you're a sluggard. You need to learn how to work. Go look at the ant. Look at how the ant works. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? Proverbs 6, verse 9. Proverbs 10, 26. Put a star next to this one. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to those who send him. So like vinegar irritates the teeth and smoke that irritates the eyes, sluggard's cannot be trusted. They are shiftless and irritating. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. Proverbs 13 verse 4. The way of the sluggard is like a hedge of thorns. Proverbs 15 verse 19. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. This is what, that's a picture we think of with the sluggard. A sluggard doesn't do much. But when you hear these words, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish, will not even bring it back to his mouth, it's not because he's exhausted from working. He buries his hand in the dish because he's so lazy, he doesn't want to bring his hand back to his mouth. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn, but he will seek at harvest and have nothing. Proverbs 20 verse 4. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Proverbs 26, verse 16. The man or woman who is a sluggard, he doesn't count the cost because that in itself is too much work. Those who are lazy, as Kinder says, they are easy to recognize in this life. A sluggard is not hard to spot. They may put on a mask in front of other people, But if you were to hang out with them and to watch them, you would see it very, very easily. Sluggards don't begin things. Sluggards don't finish things. Sluggards don't face things. And they are constantly restless. So let's look at that. They don't begin things. The sluggard fails to take advantage of present opportunities because they love sleep. Proverbs 6, 9 through 11. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Oh, how the sluggard loves to sleep. They love their rest. They love their entertainment. They love it far more than the gift of work in which God has given them. Sluggards don't begin things, and sluggards don't finish things. Proverbs 26, 15. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. This is a brilliant picture. The sluggard is so lazy, he moves his hand to eat so he can live, but he doesn't finish because he's so lazy. The sluggard's desire and craving of refusing to labor Kills him. The sluggard chooses laziness over labor, the easy life over the abundant life, the here and the now over eternity. Sluggards don't begin things, nor do they finish things. And number three, they will not face things. They don't want to think at all. Proverbs twenty-two thirteen says, The sluggard says, There is a lion outside, I shall be killed in the streets. Those who are lazy, they will not face the music. But they have all their excuses ready to go. If somebody says this, I know exactly how I'm going to respond. If somebody does this, I know what I can fall back on. They are ready to justify their laziness from every angle. I can't do this because this might happen. There's a lion outside. What if? What if? But, but, but their excuses are endless. I can't do this, this might happen, this could happen. The sluggard will not face things, especially the truth, because they love their sin of being slothful, and they know it. Sluggards don't start things, they don't finish things, they don't face things. And number four, they remain restless. Sluggards crave, and they get Nothing. They remain in the hedge of thorns, Proverbs says. It says satisfaction never comes, contentment never arrives. They don't begin things, they don't finish things, they don't face things, and they remain restless. So, have you identified areas in in your life in which you are a sluggard? Maybe you're saying, well, Pastor, I'm a Christian. Amen. Absolutely. Praise God. And you and I have not yet arrived, have we? Scripture says we stumble in many ways, not just few. We have many areas in our life in which we are sluggards. Many areas that are in the shadows. Many areas in which we want to keep hidden, that we do not glorify the Lord in. Have you identified the areas in your life in which you are a sluggard? They are there. The areas in which you prefer sleep or entertainment over faithfully pleasing the Lord. The areas in which you refuse to start. The areas in which you refuse to finish, but you know you need to. The sin in which you don't want to face you don't want to confess. The sin you confess, but you don't really want repentance because you don't want to change. You see, work is a gift of God. We are called to work hard unto the Lord in all things. See, 1 Corinthians 10.31 is on a verse that we need to be reminded of because we've, most of us memorized it. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Do all to the glory of God. You see, you and I don't struggle with the eating and drinking part, do we? Whatever you eat and drink, glorify God in that. Amen. It's the whatever you do part. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. This doesn't teach us that we can have a pattern of doing nothing. Every area of our life is important. we need to care for our own soul, the whole of our being, as well as the souls for others. What does that look like when you enter different seasons? What does that look like? How about when I'm, when I'm sick, what does that look like? There's a reason you're sick. There's a reason that God grants sickness to his children. That's for the purpose of edification, for the purpose of growth for the purpose of imaging Christ in all things. Every tear, every sickness, everything that you and I struggle with, it's not meaningless if God's in control of all things. And all things work together for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What about the scoffer? Scoffer is used ten times in Proverbs. Scoffers are what are individuals, they are beyond simple. They are those who are arrogant talkers, those who are haughty. They mock and speak and declare that those who think differently than they, they are silly and they are wrong. They poke fun at those who do right. They hate and resist those who walk wisely. They delight in who they are, not in who, who God is. Scoffers are very prideful. They hate knowledge. They're highly critical people, not of themselves. That, that, that's the key right there. They're not critical of themselves. They're critical of others. Scoffers lead the charge in being foolish. Their tongue is a fire, for they are deliberate troublemakers. One commentator noted, Scoffers make clear that mental attitude and not mental capacity classifies the man. Wow, that stings, doesn't it? Mental attitude, not mental capacity. So the faithful servant is over the faithful intellect. Because you can have all the intellect and not apply it for the glory of God. To be blunt, the scoffer is the current attitude of many American Christians. Many American Christians are quick to talk about what they are against. Many are quick to be destructive versus being gracious. But many also fail to use their mind while they accept destructive philosophies that are against the word of God. As Christians, we need to be wise, but we should also be known as not be known as arrogant talkers. Who sow discord with their tongue? You see, there's always level of increase you see in this world. One of the things where this is majorly increasing is on the internet. You see very people very quick to give their opinion, very quick to slander. I'm talking about Christians very quick to put down others who would never ever do it to their face. But now we're seeing it more and more of people doing that. A brother cursing out a brother. A sister cursing out a sister. Men and women who were made in God's image, called to himself, called to be ambassadors for Christ, who look nothing like Christ with their vocabulary and their actions. We are ambassadors for Christ. We should be known as men and women, youth and children, who love Jesus and love others We should be quick to listen. We should be slow to speak. We should be men and women and children who stand on Scripture. Now we can say quick amen to I will stand on Scripture, but if you aren't studying the Scriptures, I don't know how you're standing on it. We should listen to what others say, but we should know what God has said. We should be known as those who share the good news of Jesus Christ. So much of the church today, we are known for what we are against and nobody in the world knows what we're for. We should be known as people who love others enough to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We should be known as brothers and sisters in Christ who call others to repent, to come to Christ who share the good news of our sin separating us from God, who share there is good news, that there is forgiveness for sin that is found in Jesus Christ. We should be known as those who tell others about the judgment to come, those who care for others and love them well with our words and with our deeds. We should be known as people who call others to repent and believe, people whose life matches their words. Well, if we're scoffers, if we're simple, that won't happen. That will not happen. We're going to be people whose life matches their words. The doctrine that flows out of our mouth should also look like our life that we live. Christians should be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, not ambassadors for self. We act so much Like, God is not going to judge. You don't have to defend everything all the time. The Lord will get to the point when he will take care of it all. Christians should be ambassadors for Christ and not self. The scoffing path leads to destruction. So does the sluggish and simple path. The wisdom of God leads to everlasting life. And there is never a time in this life that we don't need more wisdom. We find that in the introduction of Proverbs. Whether you're wise or whether you are simple, you're called to get it and to get more of it as long as you live. We always need the righteous application of true knowledge in every area of our life. If I can pry just a little bit deeper and to look into your own soul and to focus your attention more on Christ and his holiness, his perfection, his righteousness. On your best day, you fail at all things. On my best day as a husband, on my best day as a father, on my best day as a pastor, I fail in all things things and same for you we need more wisdom in all things and we are called to get it to soak in it to chase it for a man or woman we sell everything we have and we get more wisdom because it should be the greatest treasure because wisdom is found in Christ and Christ is the greatest treasure When wisdom is increased in us, that's a partnership of God's grace and us seeking it, we will imitate Christ more in this life and we will please him. If we are imitating Christ more in this life and we are pleasing Christ more in this life, what that means is we will be sinning less because we will cherish Christ more that by the power of the Holy Spirit and the preached Word of God, you know the areas in your life in which you need to look at. Don't be a sluggard this morning. Don't say a divine hearty amen when the sermon is finished and you walk out the doors and you talk about the Dallas Cowboys the rest of the day. I want you to walk out of here thinking about, look at the areas that are in my life where I'm not pleasing the Lord. Look at the areas in which I want, by the power of God, to be transformed so that I would live for Christ in all things. That I would be an ambassador for Christ. That I would please Him in all things as a a father, as a wife, as a husband, as a mother. I would please God in all areas, and I would glorify God in the life that he has given to me, that he has not only called me to him, he has called me to be an ambassador for him. There are secret things in our life. There are shadows that we have been living in for far too long that they need to be repented of and confessed before the Lord. That who Christ is, the Savior of the world, the Lamb whose blood covers our sins, what He has done for us, His perfect work on the cross that justifies sinners, these truths are enough for us as His children. Because we have been saved by the blood of Christ, we should not be living a simple, sluggish, or scoffing life. We shouldn't be. Because the righteous, the righteous find honor. The righteous, the righteous, those in Christ, they give and they don't hold back. The righteous keeps his mouth and tongue in check by the Holy Spirit. So who are you, Christian? You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Serve him. That's what ambassadors do do. They don't serve themselves. They don't serve their own kingdom, ambassadors for Christ. They serve the living God. That means as servants, they sit down before Christ. They look and they study what Christ has told us to do, and they go and they do it. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. As God's children, we are ambassadors. There is no time for us to be simple, slothful, and to be a scoffer. We have work to do. Those distract us from the glory of God. They distract us from the things in which we need to be doing. So I'm going to be just like you. I hope you realize every sermon that I preach, I'm also preaching to myself. As I am in my studies, as I am faithfully, by God's grace, trying to proclaim his word, there are areas in my life as I am preaching to you in which I see simple, sluggish, and slothful things. So when I am calling you to repent and to examine your life, I am also examining my life and repenting as well. There is no time for this. We are individuals who are to be ambassadors For Christ, because Christ has not just called us to him, he has also called us to live for him in all things. Whether you eat or drink or be whatever you do, glorify the Lord. Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, you have called us to be men and women who are wise. To be men and women of the book. To say, thus saith the Lord, to know what you have spoken and preserved for us and to cherish it. Father, if we are honest, we have simple things in our life. We have slothful things. We have sluggish things in our life in which we are not pleasing you. We want our minds to glorify you as well as our lives. Through what you have preserved for us in your holy word, you have taught us over and over and over again, especially through the life of your son and the parables he told and the things that he said to prideful individuals That our theology can be correct. That's not the end. You've taught us that we are to be a living sacrifice for you. That if we truly love theology, we will have a life that glorifies you. Lord, thank you for forgiveness that is found in Christ. Thank you for saving sinners. We did not deserve it. We still don't deserve it. And it is beyond me that you would save sinners, call them to yourself, and we would still sin. And you saved us knowing that beforehand. You are so gracious and you are so kind. You are patient with us. Holy Spirit, reveal all the things in our life. Over time, be patient and kind to us. Show us the areas in which we need to please you, the areas in which we have failed to confess. Help us to do the things that we know we need to do. There are things in which we need to start. There are things in which, Lord, we need to finish. That we need to examine ourselves. We need to persevere in looking at our life and our doctrine. We need to rest in what your son has accomplished. Father, thank you for your holy word. Thank you for Proverbs, the wisdom that is found in it. Lord, without your help, we will not please you. So, Lord, help us. Help us to faithfully apply your holy word to our life for your name and for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray and ask all these things. Amen.